Welcome to the Young Life Midlands Podcast, sponsored by Cadbury Eggs. <laughs> just kidding. I really wish it was, though. They're delicious. Doesn't this just sound like podcast music? Anyway, you're in for a treat as we hear and talk about the 10 pitfalls you fall into as a Young Life leader and 10 truths that counteract. So enjoy. There's going to come a time, probably in the fall, right when you come back, or probably in January next year, or probably junior year, or probably the end of your senior year, where you're just like, I need to quit, I'm done. Like, it's really hard, I need to quit. And I'll give you one little fun analogy that's probably not really true. So there's that. Cortez, when he landed in, in Mexico um, in 1519, he's getting ready to go and do his little conquests. The first thing he did was... This isn't true. He didn't burn his boats. But the first thing he did was um, shipwreck all of his boats and then take all the supplies and take all the wood to build stuff. And his whole purpose was this. No matter what happens, we're not going back. I love it. He says, hey, no matter what happens, we're not using the boats anymore because I just wrecked them. <laughs> so we're not going back that way. This way is the only way we're going. And this idea that, hey, quitting's easy when you have an option. So if you're coming into this thing going like, all right, I'm in, but I'm just going to try to test the waters and I'm going to have this other plan B going on, I'll go, you will quit. 100% you'll quit. If you give yourself that option, like you're going to do it. And I'd say, hey, if you want to jump in, burn the boats, wreck your boats, and go, we're going this way. And I promise you, that's what Jesus offers. He says, hey, don't be lukewarm. In Revelation 4, I spit you out of my mouth. Be cold or hot. Don't be lukewarm. And I say, as leaders, the last thing you need is a lukewarm leader. Because high school kids need more than that. Just like you did. Like, I'm so glad your leaders weren't that. Or your youth group pastors weren't youth that. Or, or your, some guy decided in your locker room to tell you the gospel. I'm glad that he wasn't lukewarm. He's like, I will do this for you. All that to be said, here's what I'm really excited for. Here's the 10 traps that Alex Holroyd fell into, and probably other people will, uh, that you will fall into in ministry. We'll say young life, but just in ministry, all right? And then here's the best part. I want to give you a truth to counteract that fall. So I'm going to give you top 10 in no particular order except for the last one. Um, and then I'll give you a truth that you can write down. And be like, how do, I, how do I dive into this, okay? Here's the first one. You will begin to seek horizontally from others what you've already received vertically from Jesus. Say it again. All right, here's first trap number one. You are going to look horizontally from others. You're going to seek horizontally from others what you've already vertically received from Jesus. Here's what that means. You're going to look for other people, your, your team leaders, your staff, the high school kids, and be like, am I good enough? Am I doing a good enough job? Do you love me? Am I likable? And you're going to look for them to give you this affirmation which you've already received in Jesus. It happens all the time. You will look to your club numbers and be like, good, I had 40 kids at that club tonight. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You go, you are already doing good because of what Jesus said, right? We look horizontally at people to affirm us what we've already gotten vertically from Jesus. So here's how you counteract that truth. This is 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. This is Paul. I love it. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. That's counseling 101. If you ever go to counseling, been to counseling, great. You should do it. All right. Counseling 101 is this. Um, don't, don't, who cares what people tell about you? And that's what your teacher told you. Don't listen to what they tell about you. Like, you worry about you. Paul counteracts that second part when he says, um, 
I carry very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. I love that line. Because what counseling will tell you is, look in the mirror and say, you're awesome. I'm the best. I'm the best. Like, I'm great. But I know that's a lie because I'm not the best and I'm not great. And so I can't do that to myself. Paul goes, I don't even care what I think about myself anymore. He says, it is the Lord who judges me. Um, and I love that because he's, that could sound scary too. Like, oh crap, because the Lord's going to look at me and say, you suck. We know that's not true. Why? Because of Jesus and the gospel, right? Yeah. When he sees you, he now sees Jesus. He sees his beloved son, his beloved daughter. So when you go to school and that freshman's like, don't you have any friends your own age? You're like, no, I'm here to hang out. And you're like, you don't have to be like, gosh, he saw me. Damn. Hi. I don't have any friends. All right. Um, you can be confident because you have the God of the universe who's crazy about you. You're not looking to high schoolers or your team to affirm you and who you are in Christ. All right. All right. Trap number two. Oh, my goodness. This happens so much. You will begin to make young life your God and your identity. Ah, this happens so, so true. Um, how easy it is to just find your entire worth of how good you are as a young life leader. And here's the thing. That happens in any ministry. Like, here's how you know it begins to happen when someone goes like, oh, Nick, or you're like, Nick, how you doing, man? Dude, great, man. Club is going great. Camp, my campaigner guys are doing awesome. You're like, oh, you associate you doing good with your ministry doing good. Right? All the time that happens. Um, Revelation 2.4, here's the truth you need to remind yourself. Uh, but I've, uh, this is Jesus kind of saying this, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. You know, he's talking to the church. He goes, here's, he's like, you're doing, he tells this church, he goes, you're doing awesome. Here's what you're lacking. You forgot about me. You've made it about your thing and you forgot about me. Be reminded that Jesus is our first love, never young life. All right? Jesus is your first love. Um, John 15, 4 through 5, again, a truth we need to know. This is Jesus' last words before his disciples he dies, so you know it's important. Remain in me, also as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like Jesus over and over again going, don't do ministry without me. Like I am, I am, the, I am the vine, you need to stay connected to me. The, the time you lose and, not, and you stop staying connected to Jesus, you start making young life, your ministry, this God. And it's all about you performing for your God and you doing good for your God. Y'all, that's miserable and it will burn you out. Ask any leader. Here's, my, here's the other thing. You will go through that. So you need people to check in with your heart of like, am I making this my God? It doesn't mean you need to quit, all right? People are like, young life's my God, I need to quit. No, right? Because in that case, all ministry will be your God. You just need to reorder your heart and go, Lord, forgive me for making young life my first love. You're my first love. Um, <laughs> here's this great uh, analogy I was reading. Uh, the ministry of box analogy, right? Think of this. Every ministry uh, does this. 
Um, Jesus is the gift inside. Every ministry is their box, right? So each FCA, Crusade, Navigators, we all have our box, all right? It has beautiful wrapping paper and a great little ribbon on it. Um, and we go and we give the box to somebody. Don't fall in love with the box. Don't fall in love with your ministry. Fall in love with the gift inside the box, a.k.a. fall in love with Jesus. Don't fall in love with Young Life. Young Life will fail you miserably, right? He's going to do something like, I can't believe they did that. It's going to hurt you. It, it, it will because it's a sinful organization just like run by sinners, just like anything else. I love Young Life. Hear me. Like, I work for them. I bleed for them. They are not my God, right? Like, fall in love with Jesus, not Young Life. Um, we went through this whole thing oh, last year. There's a seminar at our leader weekend that says, we need leaders who don't need Young Life. We talked about that campaigner weekend. What that means is like, you don't need Young Life to like set the ball on the tee for you to hit a home run. Like you don't need Young Life. You could do it without it. We need leaders who aren't looking to Young Life to like fix their every needs. Um, <laughs> so that one, I mean, it will happen. Memorize. I mean, the best thing you can do is memorize John 15, 1 through 18. I know that's a lot of passages. <laughs> um, it is the most beneficial thing I've ever done. Like in my car, I'm constantly going back to, okay, I am the great vine, or I am the vine dresser and you are the vine. Like remain in me and I remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? You're already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Like, I, like soaking that in, going, remain, 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 remain. Not do, 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 right? Um, sorry, I'm going to go rapid fire a little bit of this. So it'll give you time to maybe in Bible study or, or maybe like when you're hanging out with some people to process that. Um, but I hate going long. So, um, number four. Three. <laughs> three, 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 three. All right, three. Three's a good one. Okay, I almost forgot about this one. You begin to think that you are the Savior and not Jesus. Oh, my goodness, this happens all the time. You start to think, like, I am the Savior of Blythewood High School. I am the Savior of r and &E. I am the Savior of Spring Hill. Like, I am what's, gonna, I am what's changing River Bluff. Y'all, that will kill you. Never place yourself where God deserves to be, and he will never go where you are supposed to be. All right? Like, you are not the Savior, and that will destroy you. Um, here's a great passage. This changed my world when I read this. Um, second, or 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. Oh, this is so good. This is Paul. He wrote books in the Bible, so he's so smart. Um, he says this. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, that when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except this, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, I love this, or persuasive words, or sweet analogies, or cool magic tricks that explain sin and the cross, right? Like, um, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, a.k.a. me, but on God's power. I love that Paul goes, I came to you going, I don't know anything other than Jesus and him crucified. That's all I know. Like, I'm an idiot, is what Paul is saying. Like, I came to you, he's like, I was terrified. I went up to you in the lunchroom, and I was like, hey, how you doing? And before you could say a word, I ran away because I was scared you were going to judge me. Like, Paul was like, I came to you fearfully, 
Knowing this, I want your faith to not rest on me, but on Jesus. Oh, sometimes it is really cool to hear, like, oh, I met the Lord because Alex did this, right? You're like, oh, like, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I want to hear, oh, my gosh, like, I love when I ask some of you guys, like, oh, do you remember who your camp speaker was? And you're like, no idea. <laughs> I don't even know. I go, I hope that always happens. I hope it's like, I have no idea who that guy was, but I remember Jesus. Oh, that should be my hope. Like, my hope is that no one remembers me wherever I go. I, I mean, selfishly, I want them to remember me because I'm a three on the Enneagram. Um, but <laughs> my, my real heart is that no one remembers me. Be like, I don't know, but dude, I know Jesus. And that should be the cry of our hearts, that we are not the gods. Jesus is God. Um, so you are not the Savior. Hey, one of my favorite campaigners, this is a freebie, catch it. Um, Cliff taught me that. Hey, uh, here's a freebie, campaigners. Go and do, uh, go and read, uh, what is it? Uh, multiplying the bread, okay? This is my favorite campaigners to do. It's in Mark. When, when Jesus takes the loaves of bread and multiplies it, read that in campaigners and go, hey, put an in next to the natural things that happen um, and put a um, S next to the supernatural things that happen and pay attention to who does what. And so he goes to the disciples, like, hey, we, what do we have to eat? And he goes, that's a natural thing. We have, you know, five, bros of, or five loaves of bread. Great. Hey, go put people in groups of 50. He goes, that's natural. Like, there's no magical power, right? Hey, go take these baskets. Natural. And then Jesus takes the bread and breaks it. Supernatural, right? And then the disciples, he goes, all right, now go and just give it away. I love it. Like, the, the, the disciples never did supernatural things. They just did simple things. What happens is when you get stressed out in your life is you reverse the role and you think you're in charge of the supernatural and you stop doing the natural things. In young life, the natural things are showing up to the school, praying like crazy, and inviting kids into the great adventure. Whether they say yes or no has nothing to do with you. Right? That's not who we are. Um, uh, so, number four, um, <laughs> this does happen. <laughs> You begin to blame other people for your spiritual walk with Christ. You start to go like, oh, that person, they start taking you down. Or you start blaming staff because they're not pouring into you. Or you start blaming your team leader because they're not doing enough for you. And, and you start blaming people for your walk with Jesus. Know this. Come judgment day, it is not you and ten other people in front of the judge. It's just you. And he will look at you and go, what have you done? And you can't go to him that. I got shafted, all right? These people sucked, all right? Like, this is not okay. It does not work that way. Just know that. In fact, don't do that at all. In fact, if you've, if you've read it, you know, I think it's in, in Luke, you should just beat your chest and go, have mercy on me, a sinner. I have no idea. Uh, a guy named Al Alvin Plantiga, he was a philosopher at Notre Dame, he'd say, this is how he started his quiet time every morning. He said he would just sit there and say that verse over and over again, over and over again until he believed it was true. He said, Lord... Have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Until he realized where he was. And then he started his quiet time. I love that humility. So uh, here's a verse, a truth to, to counteract that. Philippians 1.6. I love this. This is so good, especially if you stink at following Jesus. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hear that again. It's so good. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. I love it. He's not saying, and he who began a good work in you will forget you if, and you need to make sure you're, you're a good person until you die. He goes, he, will, he started it, he finishes it. The onus is almost on God. Like, I screw this up, Lord. Why? Like, you can blame God sometimes for that. That's okay. All right? He says, I started it, I'll finish it in you. Man, that's so good when you're in your lowest low going, I'm awful. How could God ever love me? How could I do this again? And you have this promise. He goes, Alex, I started it with you, and I'm going to finish it in you. Enjoy the process. Don't, don't live in the end result. You know, the end result is, is Alex killing it with Jesus, and I never sin ever again. That will happen when I die. But in the meantime, I'm going to constantly fall over and over again. And learn to enjoy the process of you growing with Jesus. So uh, number five. You will begin to read the Bible for your next campaigners, club talk, leadership, and not just for yourself. You're going to find like, oh, what are you learning in the Lord? Oh, I'm giving this club talk. And I've been reading, uh, you know, the story of, of Jesus walking on water. And you're like, you're never reading it for yourself. You're only reading it for your next thing. And it will happen. Like Sometimes you're going to have a club and campaigners in the same week. And maybe you're, you have a discipleship group. Maybe you have three things to plan that week. And you're going to go and spend time with the Lord. And you're going to go, Lord, I'm reading this for me, not to give out to somebody. Here's what you don't want to do. And I've been so guilty of this. I don't want to be a Christian who eats, eats what he just heard real quick and then vomits it up on somebody. Like, I never have time to digest it, right? It's like, oh, I just heard this great sermon. I'm going to tell it tomorrow. The same thing. Even though it hasn't really been true to my life yet. I just really liked it. I want to go tell somebody that. Hey, like, we want to digest things, right? Like, we want, to, we want to make it, I mean, it's always good to have learned great stuff from people. But we want to make sure we're going to people. To, we're, getting, we're, we're getting fed by Jesus, not to go real quickly regurgitate it to somebody else. Here are some truths that I think are just so good for that. Uh, Mark 1, 35. This is Jesus, you know, he's God. And he says, he got up early in the morning to pray. So Jesus, who is God, knew that his spending time in prayer, his quiet time, his JC money time, his cabin time is, is so important that God himself does it. How much more important should it be that we do that, right? Uh, another great verse in that, Joshua uh, 1.8. Okay, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Therefore, you shall make, uh, therefore, your way will be prosperous, and you shall have great success. I love Joshua 1.8. You need to spend time in the Word. Job 23.12. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured his words, uh, the treasured the words of his mouth more than the portion of my food. It says, I think about God's word more than I do my own food. John 6.35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Again, this, this I think is like, you, you ever like fasted for a day and you're just starving? He goes, that feeling is the way you should feel about wanting to spend time in my world. He goes, make that. I, I don't care. I was, we have student staff um, working with us right now. And I told him, like, never step foot in our office if you haven't spent time with the Lord. Don't do it. And if you, like, you get there and you're like, crap, I haven't. I'm not going to kill you. You just need to go spend time with the Lord in the office before you do any work, right? Because we are crummy humans. I want to give people Jesus, not Alex, right? So your time, like if you had to give a club talk, like 
Spend time in the Word. That's not what you're going to go teach about. It's so valuable. You, you have to do that. Um, all right, number six. I'll try to go quicker. How you feeling? Are you feeling okay? Do we need to like loosen up? All right, cool. Um, I'm going to try to go hard in the paint right here, all right? We're going hard. Number six. Um, you begin to... Uh, man, this is good. Hey, you begin to believe the lie that success determines you as a leader and not your faithfulness. All right? So number six, you begin to believe the lie that your success determines you. How many, how many people you got going at club? How many people you have coming to camp? Like That determines you as a leader, not your faithfulness. Here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's what Billy Graham did not hear when he died from Jesus. Well done, good and successful servant. He heard this, Matthew 5, Matthew 25, here's the truth, Matthew 25, verse 23, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Praise, praise, praise faithfulness, not success. Faithfulness can lead to success. Faithfulness could also lead to you shutting down club because that's the faithful thing that Jesus wants us to do. All right? So faithfulness over and over again. I was telling our team uh, the other night, we were making our list of kids that we want to pray for and that we're trying to invite to camp. And I said, hey, your worth does not determine how many kids we get to come to sign up for camp. But you better believe that I'm going to ask you, were you faithful? Did you pray? Did you ask? All right? It's all we can do. That's the natural things. Um, Number seven, almost done. Um, Oh, this is so true. You can start this one. You will hide in your sin because you believe only perfect people can serve his kingdom. All right? This is the most dangerous thing about being a minister of the gospel. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, You will hide in your sin because you believe only perfect people can serve his kingdom. All right? You're going to be like, well, I can't tell them what I've done because I'm a young life leader. Young life leaders don't do that. Yes, they do. Because you are not sanctified yet. You're in the process of growing with Jesus. You will mess up over and over again. All you do by not telling people your sin is it takes more and more time. One more time. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were like, dude, wrap it up. I was like, go, 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 go. All right. Um, you will hide in your sin because you believe only perfect people can serve his kingdom. You will hide in your sin because you believe only perfect people can serve his kingdom. This, again, star this. Here's the truth you need to know. This is Paul. Paul wrote books in the Bible again. All right? So this is what he says. Here's a trust. This is 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's a trustworthy, trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of who I am the worst. Hopefully, I, I hope I have said this a lot. He doesn't say who I was the worst. Like, I used to do drugs, and now I don't. He's saying, I am the worst of them. Currently, current state, as he's writing, a, as he's literally writing the Bible, he says, I am the worst sinner. Like, just picture that mentality. That means, here's, the, here's what the gospel means. And we ask you guys, hey, you're holding your friend. He's dying. He has one minute. What do you say the gospel? It's a funny question. Um, you guys have all, you guys all kind of said it. You go, hey, Jesus came to die for your sins. And yet we get surprised when we sin. Of course you're going to sin. That's why Jesus died. All right? Like, it doesn't surprise me if you came to me like, dude, I got drunk last night. I'm not going to be like, oh, I never saw that coming. Oh, my gosh. Like, you, boy, 
he, uh, we'll have a conversation, right? Like, like, hey, like, how can I help you? And then, hey, you're forgiven, right? Here's what will kill me if you hide in your sin for months and years and it comes out and you're like, why, why did you do that? Like, you just spent a year in shame and guilt and hiding when you could have came and experienced freedom from the gospel. Don't You need a community of that. Um, and again, here's real quick. Because you believe only perfect people can serve his kingdom. I just, this is like off the top of my head, all right? Peter served Jesus, denied Jesus three times. Paul, he partaked in killing Christians. Not good. King David had an affair. Not good. Then killed the husband to cover up the affair. Not good. <coughs> Moses murdered a man. Not good. Love this. Tamar, if that's how you say it, dressed as a prostitute to coerce her father-in-law, Judah, to have sex with her and get pregnant. Not good. All right. Um, also, she is in the genealogy of Jesus, right? She has twins. Twins are fun. Um, and she has twins. And um, he, one of the twins is the genealogy of King David. It's in Matthew. All right. Jonah, God literally tells Jonah, he goes, Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh and tell them about my love. He goes, nope. And he runs the other way and jumps into a, you know, mouth of a giant fish. Um, and in the little Jesus storybook Bible, it's funny. Uh, I was reading it to Addie Mae a couple weeks ago. It says, uh, the sign says Nineveh, not Nineveh. <laughs> it's just like Jonah going that way. Um, <laughs> and the best part of like, Jonah's heart of that was not like, I'm afraid they're going to kill me. He goes, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to tell them how good you are, and then they're going to repent, and that's just going to piss me off because they deserve to die. And you're like, and Jonah uses that guy, all right? So, again, Jonah uses, you don't have to be perfect, all right? You need to know who is perfect. All right, um, number eight. Again, you can start this one. You will begin to compare yourself to every other leader. This will happen constantly. Oh, she's so funny. Oh, he's so gifted. Oh, he's so natural with, like, contact work. You will compare yourself to every leader all the time. It's natural, it happens, and it's sinful and wrong, all right? Don't do it. Um, here's the best thing for a Brennan Manning quoted this one time. He said, when I die, what the Lord's not going to ask me, he says, Brennan, why weren't you Moses? Why weren't you King David? God will simply ask me, why weren't you Brennan? Like, do we understand that God created each and every one of you specifically with different gifts, different abilities to partake in his kingdom, don't envy somebody else because he created you with a purpose. Not like a giant room, like just all of us with a purpose. Like individually he created you with a purpose. Alright? Um, here's the truth in that. 1 Corinthians 12. Um, another great campaigner's lesson. Freebie. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as the body, though many, has many, uh, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all, all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, to, um, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. And if the ear should be, because I'm not the eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. And he goes on and keeps saying it. He goes, you have a role. If you're the left hand, stop looking at the eye going, man, I wish I was the eye. Because you have a role in the body. All of us are in the body of Christ. But you have a specific role. Don't throw that away. 
don't believe the lie that you should be like so-and-so, right? And I'll tell you the truth. The person you believe you should be like is probably going, oh, I wish I was like so-and-so, all right? In that lie, you were created uniquely. Um, <coughs> uh, number nine. Here we go, last two. You will begin to separate your public life from your private life. This happens all the time. You'll begin to separate your public life, your public ministry. You give the club talk and look how awesome Alex is doing. He loves Jesus. And then I'm at home crying, eating a whole thing of ice cream, feeling insecure. All right? No one sees the private life. People see the public life. Um, here in this book, Replenish, unbelievable good book. I wanted to read just this first part. It says, um, this is a hole in my soul. But we also have a backstage life. There, the two are connected. If we neglect the backstage, eventually the front stage will fall apart. While the front stage is public world of leadership, the backstage is a private world of the leader. The backstage is private, always dark, usually messy. The audience isn't allowed there. Backstage uh, has no spotlight, no glory. What happens backstage facilitates and empowers what takes place in the front stage. He says, your time alone with God, what is going on in your heart? will always eventually dictate what happens on the front stage. But you can make it for a while looking good on the outside. Right? Like, you can, you can last a little bit. Um, he says, uh, you need, this is, this is the truth to kind of counteract that. But where the conversation, what you need to have the conversation about the backstage life. And he gives this example of John Wesley. Um, John Wesley had this famous thing where he would ask everyone, how is it with your soul? Now, how is it with your ministry? Now, how are all these things going? But how is your soul doing? Um, and I would say, how do you counteract to not live this hypocrit hypocritical life of like, here's awesome Alex here, here's sinful Alex here, is making sure I have somebody asking me all the time, how is it with your soul? Your team can foster that so well, but know that you need to go look for that. Like, I remember I had to go to a friend and go, hey, I need you to ask me this question over and over again. How is it with my soul? And then when I tell you, you need to follow it up with, hey, is that really true or are you lying to me? Because I'm going to lie to you at first probably because I'm sinful. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, this is really how I'm doing, right? You need that person in your life. You need to invite someone into that life because none of us want to go and say, hey, can I be that person for you? Because that's scary. Um, uh, <laughs> and the last truth, here we go, drum roll, last one. Sorry if it was long. Hopefully this is good. Drum roll, please. This one is the one that should be in order. You begin to forget who you are, that you're the beloved son and daughter of a king. I love that. I'm rewatching. I'm rewatching Lion King right now because um, now Adam likes that. And that awesome scene where Simba's now an adult, and that it's like the clouds start moving, and he sees James Earl Jones, aka Mufasa, and he just says, "Simba." Remember who you are. And I remember seeing it as a kid going, that's so cool. And then as I was almost 30 year old, I just start crying. I, like, I don't remember who I am. You know, like, oh my goodness. Because um, you need to be reminded over and over again that you are the beloved son of a king, the beloved daughter of the king of kings. That is your identity. That is where everything comes from. That is where your ministry, ministry springs from. All right. Um, the last example of that is simply this. There's a violinist in New York City Orchestra, um, and she's really good. And a, and a person came to her and says, how do you deal with the critics during, uh, how do you deal with the applause of the stands at night and the critics in the morning in the newspaper? 
And he's like, this just got to be hard. Like people stand up, you stand in ovations, and then you go home and you read the newspaper and like they were terrible. And she goes, simple. I look only to my conductor because he alone knows how I should have played. He goes, I stopped listening to the applause and I stopped listening to the critics. And if you can get to that place in ministry where you look only to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and not to the high school kids, not to your leadership, only to him, then you'll be a great leader.